thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeupc.org. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Yesterday, yesterday I attended the memorial service of a great man of God. Not a man who had his name on marquees and billboards, but a man, simple man, who lived his life and gave his life to the kingdom. And yesterday, his friends and family bid him farewell. Many of you knew him as Brother Jones. Brother Jones, who pastored the church up in Willis for 35 years. He was known as Reverend Jimmy Jones. But if he introduced himself to you, he would say, I am the Reverend Jimmy Jones. He would walk up and stick that little hand out and say, I am the Reverend Jimmy Jones. And as I listened to memories that others had of him, I reflected upon my own memories. One of those memories cannot be separated from the Ryan's restaurant here in town. He had made friends up there. He held court and he held church at the Ryan's restaurant. Most of the ladies that worked up there had been married or remarried at some time. And he he was the main wedding preacher at the Ryan's restaurant. Always was helping some of those people out in their life dilemmas. After his dear wife, Sister Nan Jones, passed away, he, he began just kind of wandering around. You just never know where he would show up at church. He loved his church in Willis. He'd be there on Sunday morning, but you just didn't know where Brother Jones might pop up on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night. And there were so many times. There were so many times he would pop up here. And uh, he was just uh, been around a long time. He was a bit presumptuous. And, I guess when you get to be that old, you just kind of get that way, and it's all right. But uh, he'd wander in the office, and we'd be getting ready for church and everything that's happening, and he'd sit down and just make himself at home and open up his Bible, and then he'd start humming, and he'd start praying the deep kind of prayers, oh, God. And then he'd uh, open up his Bible. He'd have his Bible open. He'd, He'd tell me what God gave him. He was really hinting hard that he get to preach uh, that night. And, and uh, it, it became a little, little fun with us because uh, when I'd see him coming, I'd, he'd go in the office and I'd go out and I'd leave him hanging. Tug of war there of, uh, of, um, of personalities. And, and sometimes he, when he'd get lonely in the office, and he'd come out here and sit on the front row in the sanctuary. And he'd uh, have his Bible out. Some of y'all might not have understood all that was going on when you watched this. But uh, he was really angling for a chance to preach. And he'd sit on the front row and have that Bible out. And he'd just, uh, he'd he'd be praying out loud what he wanted to preach that night. And and it would be be something that that was fun. And we enjoyed him. But there's never a time that he visited that he didn't come to me and said, Say, bro, say, Bo, where are we going to eat tonight? Because... He expected to go out to eat when he dropped in uninvited, and he expected for me to buy. And that was that wasn't understood. And so I was mean. I would kind of not let him pin me up. And 
I would always, before it was over with, you weren't going to completely escape, and he'd get me going, hey, where are we going to go eat? And sure enough, we went, and Brother Jones enjoyed his fried chicken. That was just the way he was. Brother Jones was a great man, a man of faith. He came here one time, and, and uh, we asked him to, um, to speak. This is many years ago, and we were having a, a missions week. And um, uh, they showed up at it, he and his wife, and we asked him to say something. And that night, uh, he, he said a few words and led us in a prayer. And, and he received an offering here that night into the many, many, many thousands of dollars. That was just astounding the way the Lord used him here that, that night. I remember one night he showed up, and, and um, it was before I really got involved in, in playing, you know, the little game with him. And, and um, he got up here to preach, and he preached a sermon called, Behold, the Bridegroom Cometh. And um, you may well remember our dear sister Keen, who lived to be 103 years old. Uh, she had been widowed five times, and she had been a widow now about 10 or 15 years. Brother Jones was now a widow for about two years, and he said, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. And Sister King just felt led to respond to the preaching that night. And while he would preach, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, our dear Sister King got up, and she was up and across the front. She was shouting and worshiping, and Brother Jones hadn't got that kind of response to his preaching in a long time. I promise you that, but... She, I don't think she interpreted the message in the manner that he was preaching the message, but she received it. It's amazing the way that the preached word responds to different people in different ways while it's going on. Amen. Amen. There's been times I preached a message that made everybody happy but one guy, and that one guy got mad. So I understand what was going on there. And so, so Brother Jones was a great man. He was an outdoorsman. He had a personal desire to own a big ranch. And one day... He, he told in an interview that um, he drove by a nice, nice ranch out here out, of, out in the county. And he pointed it out to God and said, now, God, that's what I want. I've always wanted a ranch. I can handle a ranch. I can raise cows. And that's what I want. He said the Lord spoke to him and says, I understand that that's what you want. But that's not what I have planned for you because I've called you to something else. And just remember something. He said, I want you to remember that you don't belong to yourself. You're not your own. And that become an operating uh, uh, procedure in his life because uh, there was things that he wanted, but I'm not my own. And so I have to operate on a different way. I once had a, a similar experience. Uh, at the age of 21, I was hired on to help build some apartments. I didn't realize what I'd hired myself into. And that is there was a man by the name of John Jamel whom um, was building apartments all over Houston. And, and uh, he looked at me as a fair-haired golden boy. And uh, I helped him with some projects. And I had some talent in those areas. And, and, and I was going to be the future of this thing that he was, he was building. But he made a couple of bad decisions. And he got in trouble financially. So, so I began looking for another job. And I, I interviewed at a couple of places on the west side of Houston. And... I was hired on at a place that um, they hired me. They had a subdivision with 1,200 houses in it, and they wanted me to, at 22 years of age, they wanted me to, um, to uh, oversee that and, 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 and just be the, I guess, construction manager. I don't remember the job titles and all. 
that went with it at that time. And there's 1,200 home subdivisions they were building. Now it's now a national builder. Uh, but it, then it was just a company that was beginning here in Houston. And I accepted the job. And that night I went home. I was excited. Uh, we hadn't been married long. And uh, uh, the money was going to be just unbelievable. And so we were just, I was just rejoicing. But that night sleep left. And um, I began to, I began to um, pray that night. The Lord dealt with me. And he led me on a journey that evening. And that is um, that I didn't belong doing that. And so after not sleeping all night, I, I called that new boss and told him that God had placed me on a different path. And that I was going to go back to Bible school. And I needed to finish up. And I was going to go back and, and do what God had called me to do. And that man was very exasperated. He says, don't you not understand what you're turning down? I said, I think I understand what I'm turning down, but, but I can't do that because that's not what I'm supposed to do. And that day, that night, I learned a valuable lesson from me, and that is I was not my own. I was not my own. Paul, who had been born Saul, had, who penned our text today, had aggressively and successfully uh, been a part of a group of people in the book of Acts who were persecuting the early church. And they persecuted Christians and they were killing people and killing children that, that, that were part of, the, part of the early church. And one day when traveling to Damascus, on the road to Damascus, uh, there was an experience that he had. He, he had... Uh, what become known as what I refer to as the Damascus Road experience. Because uh, it was there that uh, he was going to persecute more. And, and oftentimes he would refer back to this moment. Because he saw a light and he heard a voice. And, and the force of the light and the voice caused him to fall from his horse. And he lays on the ground and he's talking in a conversation with God that he can't see. And and he's, he's hearing something, and then he finds himself uh, blind and being led by the hand into the city. And there he learns that God had a divine purpose in his life, and that, that all of his education, his abilities, and his talents really weren't what God had planned for him, but God had other things in store for his life. And it was this moment that, that Paul would refer back on several occasions in his other writings. He, he would refer back uh, to, to some of those, to that moment when he came face to face with God. And he had a God moment. And I, I might pause to say, uh, every one of us needs a God moment. And I, I marvel when I see teenagers and young people, they come faithful to church, uh, but then when they get to an age, 15, 16, 17, 18, uh, you see them wavering and waffling, being torn in two directions. Uh, but in a service, uh, they come face to face with God, and they individually have their own uh, personal God moment. Uh, I see it with grown men and grown women when they come face to face um, with some things in their life, and they understand that I've got to have a God moment to, to bring my life in order and bring things in the way that they should be. And Paul 
had his God moment that day, and he realized some things. In 2 Corinthians, um, uh, he, he writes some words, and, and he, talks about, uh, he talks about some things that had happened in his life. And this is about ten verses that I want to quickly read to you. And he says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. And they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes above measure, in jail more often, in death often. Of the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes, save one, thrice. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck a night. And a day I spent floating in the deep. In journeyings often. In perils in the waters. In perils of robbers. In perils by my own countrymen. In perils by the heathen. In perils in the city. And in perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. And in perils of false brethren, I was weary in painfulness and watchings often, in hunger and in thirst and fastings, often in the cold and, and nakedness. And because those things, besides those things that were without, that would come upon me daily, but also the pressure and the care of the churches. Who is weak? Am I not weak? Who is offended? And I burn not. If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. The God of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. In Damascus, the governor under Aretas, the king, kept a city of Damascenes with a garrison, a whole army that was desirous to apprehend me. And that time through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped uh, his hands. Um, Paul's writing and said uh, God had a divine purpose uh, and a divine imperative and a destiny in my life. Uh, and I went through all kind of stuff. Uh, but I really realized uh, that I went through that stuff because uh, I wasn't my own. And I was on a divine mission. And God's hand was upon me every step of the way and my ship would go down but he would deliver me and I would be beaten and he would deliver me and entire armies would try to destroy me but I found that I had a purpose and I was not my own today this passage comes alive to me anew it, it just it is illuminated to me and I am compelled this morning to also try to help compel you to realize and understand that you don't belong to yourself and you are not your own but you belong to him that you were bought with a price he is the king of your life and you do not you are not your own you are not the boss of you amen our American culture is so so incredible and in that uh, every one of us are free and able to do and live like we want to live the, the beauty of this incredible country is that every man is a free man doesn't matter what color you are you're a free man doesn't matter where you came from when you get here you're a free man and there there are no limits in this country 
as to who or, or what you become. The only limits in this country that are upon each of us are those that we allow to be imposed. If whatever you do in life, there is not one thing in this world that keeps you from the, being the very best that you do. If you're a garbage man, you can absolutely be the best garbage man in the history of the universe. So whatever you do in life in America, they're, they're the only limit limits that we have in this country are the limits that we allow. They're self-imposed limits. Let me be very clear about this this morning. Your social economic situation does not define who you are. Your skin color does not limit what you can become in this country. Your parents' success or their failure does not control you. Your own failures in the past really have little to do with who you're going to be tomorrow in this country. You might have grown up in a broken home, but you don't have to be broken. You live in the greatest land, and you can become who that you want to be. Just within the body of this church, we have people that came from the most meager, meager of circumstances, but now they've risen to places that are incredible, and that are just hard, it's hard to believe that some people just in this body that worships with us uh, are able to experience uh, some of the things in life that they've been given. I know of people in this church, uh, I know of people in this church who, who started out as adults uh, with, with hell in their lives, but today they have salaries uh, in excess of, of $200,000. Uh, you just can't believe how does somebody that started out there, now how do they live here? It's because we live and a wonderful place that gives incredible opportunity. We've got young adults in this church that are breaking into dream realities that you cannot begin to imagine. We've got folks who've gotten jobs just recently that prayers have been answered and dreams are coming to pass. And we've got young adults who've got wonderful things happening and they're rising up to places that you might never have thought and they weren't born with that silver spoon. Hear, hear me this morning. We live, we live in an incredible country. We live in a country that once held black people in slavery, but now this country elects black people to be its president. Don't be critical of the country. I'm not talking political. I'm about to make a very powerful spiritual point here. It doesn't matter where you came from in this country, but there is unlimited potential that's available for people who live in that we live in an unequal time in history, we are absolutely blessed. However, that power and that freedom that we have, many times we've allowed to creep into our spirit life. And we think that I'm a free American. I can do all of this in the natural. Therefore, I can transfer that and I can be my own independent, my own boss, my own leader when it comes to the realm of the spirit. But I say this, there is no way. While there are unlimited opportunities in the natural country that we live in, 
There is a fact that I want to press home to you. And that is from the verses that I read earlier. What know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you. Which you have of God and you are not your own. Understand something. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. God, Jesus Christ is the one that, that is over you and he leads you. You are, you are a God-designed temple of the Holy Ghost. You are a God-designed dwelling place for Almighty God. He customized you as his house. Hear me this morning. I feel a, I feel a boldness coming off on his service right now. You are a God-designed temple of the Holy Ghost. You are a customized dwelling place of the Holy Ghost. And he has taken you through some process so he can have a room in your house to live. He's looked at your life and said, you've got a room in your house that's designed for things that I didn't intend for you. And so I come into your world and I've got to tear some things out of your world. I've got to shake your world. I've got to redesign. I've got to remodel your life. And some of you have felt the shaking of the Holy Ghost. You felt God's hand on your life when your world was shaking and you felt like things were coming apart and things were being torn apart. But by the authority of the Holy Ghost uh, understand something today God's reached into your world because you are a customized uh, a God designed temple of the Holy Ghost uh, and since he has done that uh, that trial that you went through was that trial of his design that tragic loss uh, that you felt was God uh, remodeling your life uh, and your dwelling place so that he could move in that was him taking off the rough edges. He took out a party room and he wants to put in a praise room. Understand something. He wants to pull some things out because he plans, he plans to live inside of you. You are a God designed, God ordained temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen. God designed you and he shakes you and he looks and he says, you know, I got to do some work in you. I'm going to take out a room that was called shame. And in its place, I got I to gotta put a room. I, gotta, I can't have a shame room in this house I'm going to live in because I'm going to bring joy when I come. And when I bring joy, shame can't stay. And so he works on you and he pulls out the past and he pulls out the garbage and he redesigns that spirit house that you live in because you are not your own. You are a God-designed, God-inspired, God-customized temple of the Holy Ghost. 
Amen. you got to understand, you are his temple, and he's not going to live some places. He's not going to live in a house that's haunted by the past. Understand something, he's not going to live in a cracked house of addiction. He, he can't live in a house that's filled with failed morality. He comes in, and he redesigns and said, you got an addiction? I'll take that addiction out because I'm redesigning that house that I'm going to live in. you got a moral failure in the past. What I'm going to do is I'm going to remove that because I'm moving in. I'm moving in. Hallelujah. He moves walls and he's been working on you. He reorders and he restructures because he's working on you because you are a God-ordained, God-designed, a customized temple of the Holy Ghost. And he has been working in your life. Sorry, baby. You are not your own. Amen. Sorry, baby. You are not your own. Just like uh, when you got married, uh, you had to submit. uh, Sir, you had to submit to that woman. A woman, you had to submit to that man. And when you had kids, uh, you realized there's some responsibilities that go with raising these kids. And you realize I'm not my own anymore. I got one kid, two kids, 12 kids, uh, 20 kids. Uh, Back to Brother brother William back there. Got so many kids. uh, He got two benchfuls of kids. Uh, And so here's the deal. You realize uh, I can't live the way I want to live anymore because I'm designed to be a dad. I'm I'm designed to be a husband. I'm designed to be a man of God. And so with that in mind, I've got to live in a way, and he works in a way to bring things in my life because he's got a plan for my life. So there, you are not your own. Sorry, baby. You are not your own. But pastor, I don't like all this stuff that I've been going through. But I simply say, God's got a plan for your life. If your world's shaking, God's trying to shake some junk out of that house. If your world's being swept up with stuff, that's God got the broom of the Holy Ghost. And he's trying to sweep out some garbage that you've accumulated. If your world feels like it's upside down, that's That's the hand of God that's really trying to set it right side up and bring some order back. Because he's going to move in there. And he wants to live in there. And he's got a God plan and a God design for your life. And the way you got it arranged, that's not the way he's going to have it arranged. And he's got a plan for it to be the way he had it. I'm sorry, all that pain from your past. I'm sorry you had to feel that. But I can't, God says, I can't leave you the way you are. I can't leave that stuff in there. I can't leave that garbage in there. I've got to work on that because I I am moving in. Somebody ought to get excited when they remember all the stuff they had. They didn't understand why their world was shaken. But when God moved in and they realized he was shaking my world, he was rearranging the walls of my house because I am now a temple of the Holy Ghost. And there was a God work going on in me. There was a God design being transformed inside of me. God says, I can't let you stay the way you are. I just want you to realize that he's not going to let you stay the way you are. Uh, You say, well, I got my own free will. Yeah, you might have your own free will, but God's got a design and God's got a purpose uh, and he's going to keep working and he's going to keep shaking because you are a temple of the Holy Ghost. Uh, I don't care if you've moved something in that ought not to be in that heart house of yours. God's going to keep working. God's going to keep cleaning. God's going to keep redesigning until he can move in and stay there. Amen. You are a temple of the Holy Ghost. You 
are not your own. You don't own you, God says. I own you. And that flies in the face of our free, red-blooded American attitude. Because we have this attitude, nobody can tell us what to do. And that's exactly right in a natural and a secular sense. But we don't live in a natural and a secular world. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. We're of a world that's of spiritual design. While we may be Americans in the flesh and the spirit, we are the temples of the Holy Ghost. We are are dwelling places of the spirit and this world is not our home we're just strangers and we're sojourners and that that's what's going on we're just passing through this place and so and so you're bought with a price you don't own you i own you god says god tells you you say well god i'm going to do this my way i'm the boss of me and god will say you're not the boss of you you may think you're the boss of you but i'm just going to show you who's the boss of you and he starts ripping things out and turning things up come on now some of you have felt this go on in your world before and you cried and you were upset and you hollered it was painful things were crazy life was out of control and you thought this was just pure insanity it wasn't insanity it was the hands of a living God who had the crowbar of the Holy Ghost and he was pulling down walls and he was pulling down structures that you built inside of your spirit because he said I can't live in some places that's got this mess in it I got I got to get rid of this stuff because I'm moving in and when I move in there's going to be light and there's going to be joy and I can't have all that in the place that I plan to live in you see, uh, I shed my, uh, my blood for you. And you can kick, uh, you can, uh, Paul, one point uh, on that Damascus Road experience. Uh, the Bible says the, that the Lord was talking to Saul. He says, Saul, Saul, it's hard for you to kick against uh, the pricks. He's saying, you can kick, uh, but it's going to hurt Saul. But I'm moving you. Uh, Saul, I'm moving you into town. You're blind. When we get there, you're going to get filled with the Holy Ghost. You're going to be baptized in Jesus' name. And you can kick if you want to and it's going to be hard it's going to be hurting but i got plans for your life Uh, understand something you can kick against the pricks of god you can resist him but he wants to move you you can fight uh, understand this you can fight what god wants to do in your life but it's gonna hurt uh, but he's moving you because you're god designed and god ordained and there's blueprints uh, of your life that god has got Uh, you can run and it's gonna hurt uh, because I've got a plan for your life, God says. You are not your own. You are not your own. He said, you're not your own because you were bought with a price. Amen. You didn't buy yourself. But God says, I bought you. I paid for you. I gave my life for you. I shed perfect, innocent blood for you. I shed my blood for you. No, 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 no. Don't you think for a minute that I'm going to give up on you now. I've already been too far and done too much to to throw my hands up and say, there are no sense in me trying to work on you anymore. I've got my hand on your life. You are God designed and you are God ordained. And if you think God's going to get mad and tired of messing with you, you got the wrong attitude because he's not going to give up. 
up. He's going to keep working. He's given up. He's worked for you. He's suffered for you. And don't think for a minute he's going to give up for you. Don't think for a minute that that woman at the well, he ever gave up on her. And don't think for a minute he was ever going to give up on Zacchaeus or that woman that was caught in the act of adultery or Simon Peter who kept acting crazy in, in the church one day and out of the church of another. I want you to tell somebody, why don't you turn to somebody right now and say, I'm glad he didn't give up on me. I'm glad he didn't give up on me. I'm glad he didn't give up on me. Amen. So Paul wrote these words, said, don't you know you're a temple of the Holy Ghost? And you're bought with a price, and you're not your own. He said, therefore, in that passage he says, glorify God. So Paul's writing these words, since you are a temple of the Holy Ghost, you're God-ordained, you're God-designed, there's a God plan in your life, and since... You don't own yourself. You're not the boss of you anyway. And since I'm not going to give up and I'm not going to quit on you, Paul wrote these words. Therefore, glorify God. That is your purpose in life was to glorify God. You think you got some big miracle in your life because God wanted to bless you. No, 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 no. God allowed a big miracle in your life because he wanted glory to come back to him because of it. The blind man who was, who was blind from his mother's womb, they said, why is this man blind? And the Lord says, the reason he's blind is not because his mama sinned and not because his daddy sinned, but that I might, be, that, the glory, uh, that the glory of God might be made manifest in him. The reason God's got blessings in your life life. It's not because he wants you to have a new car, a new truck, or a new house, or a new gadget. He doesn't want your bank account to be full. But what he puts blessings in your life because he wants to get glory out of what you do with what he does in your life. And so he's blessed you because he's going to get glory out of that. And he's put things in your life because that's the purpose of the blessings in his life. Therefore, Paul says, since, since I do not own myself, and since I I am a temple of the Holy Ghost. Since that's the matter, since that's what's going on, I might as well just glorify God. I might as well be, I might as well be a worshiper. I might as well be a praiser. I might as be well one who lifts up my hands and gives glory and thanks to what God has done for me. Amen. Glorify God in your body. You've got to understand something. That your body is a custom design building project for a dwelling place of the Holy Ghost. Therefore, if, my, if, if that's what I am, therefore, Paul says, I'm going to glorify God in this body. If my body is, there's some things that I can't take his temple to do. There's some things I can't take this body that belongs to him. I live in it, but he's taken over and I'm a temple of the Holy Ghost. So I can't take this temple some places and I can't act some places with this temple and I can't let this temple behave itself in some ways because I'm not my own. I am a temple of the Holy Ghost. When my body wants its own 
gratification. I have to remember this is not my body. This is God's body. And so since, uh, since instead of me trying to find a way to gratify my own flesh, I've got to remember I'm a temple of the Holy Ghost. And therefore, I'm going to glorify God with this body. So I'm not going to gratify this flesh, but I'm going to find a way to give God some glory with it. I'm going to find a way to worship God with this body. When my flesh desires one thing, but my God requires another. I'm not going to seek my own, but I'm going to say, okay, God, I don't own this body. I don't know. I am a temple of the Holy Ghost, and I'm going to give you some glory with this body. I can go places. I can only go places where this glory of God is going to be manifest. I can only enter into relationships that will help the glory of God be manifest in my temple. Face it this way. God's not going to the nightclub on Friday night. You can't take this body some places on Friday night. And you can't take this body in some places with your, with your mouse on your computer. And you can't take this body some places with your secret text messages. you got to glorify God with your body. You glorify God with your mind. You glorify God with your actions. Amen. Amen. My carnal side wants me to be worldly. But since I'm not my own, my carnality's got to be set aside. And I glorify him with my submission to him, with what he wants. My modesty, I glorify God with my body through my modesty. And my modesty glorifies God. It's my immodesty that makes my flesh feel good. It's my immodesty that makes me feel those little tingles that are very anti-God. But it's because I'm glorifying God with my body. That I'm careful that I cover. I'm careful that I'm modest because when I'm glorifying God with my body, I don't I am not tempted, nor am I a tempter. My modesty glorifies God. It's my faithfulness that glorifies God. But I don't want to stay on the flesh. I want to go to the spirit. But Paul wrote these words. He said these words so clearly. He says, Therefore, you're bought with a price. Therefore, I glorify God in your body. And in your spirit, which are God's. This body belongs to God, but your spirit belongs to God too. Your spirit belongs to God too. And since you don't own yourself, since you're, since you're not, since you're not uh, uh, the boss of you, therefore you glorify God in your spirit. It's easier to glorify God in my body than in my spirit. I had to decide a long time ago, I decided a long time ago that, um, that I'm not going to go to hell over somebody else. I had to decide a long time ago that I might can glorify, I might be living in a way that appears or be seeming to give God glory in my body, but I got to make sure my spirit's right. Amen. And I don't downplay any, any convictions in any way when I say that. But Paul said you glorify God in your body and glorify God in your spirit. Hallelujah. There are some things that I refuse to allow my spirit to become a part of. There's some, I don't, there's some things I can't allow in my spirit. 
I can't allow some things in my spirit. And it's so easy for them to get there. Bitterness is one. Resentment, jealousy over something, and I begin to feel all of that, then bitterness begins to rise up in, in us. And it's so easy for bitterness to rise up in us. Do you realize that when Jesus hung on the cross, he said that he was thirsty, and they were going to, somebody said, give him something to drink. And so they take a sponge, and they dip it, they dip it in vinegar and gall. It, but basically, the best way to describe it is nasty pickle juice. They, here he was, very dehydrated. He was about to die. They stuck a sponge, it was a hyssop, it was a, it was a rough sponge, and they put it on a stick of staff and they put it up for Jesus to take a sip of that wetness on that sponge and when he when he drank in that gall that bitter vinegary taste that he drank in the Bible says he spit it out and I, I think it's an interesting point that when that bitter stuff went in he refused it to go in and he spit it out even on the cross Jesus allowed he refused to allow bitterness to come inside of him I refuse to accept bitterness into my spirit. I've got to glorify God with my spirit. And if I'm bitter, I can't glorify God. And if I'm resentful, I can't glorify God. I've got to be able to glorify God in my spirit. Amen. Amen. Jesus refused bitterness. And I choose to refuse it as well. Paul said, glorify God. You know, it's impossible to glorify God when you have an offended spirit. When you're, when you're offended, it's impossible to give God glory. Because offense, hear me now, offense is all about you. You accept offense, that means you're choosing selfishness. This is straight. And when I'm offended and hurt, and I'm carrying hurts from a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, when I'm doing all that, if I'm walking through life with an offense in my spirit, I cannot glorify God because I'm so fixed on what happened to me and how bad it was and all of this stuff. I cannot glorify God with an offense in my spirit. But God, but Paul says, you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. You are a temple of the Holy Ghost. So you glorify God with your body. And you glorify God with your spirit. It's too easy. It's too easy to wear a holy dress. To wear modest garments. But still have something in my spirit. I say today. Don't let offense stay in your life. In your heart. But glorify God in your body. And glorify God in your spirit. Amen, amen, amen. Pride is another thing that can never enter the kingdom of heaven. Pride can never enter into the kingdom of heaven. Pride can never enter into the kingdom of heaven. Because my Bible tells me in Proverbs 16 and 18 simply this, that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You see somebody walking through life in a fit of pride. You just be real still because right behind them is going to be pride goes before destruction. When, just, when pride walks in, destruction walked in. 
When haughtiness walked in, a failure in life, it walked in. And I promise you, I've dealt with people, I've dealt with leaders, I've dealt with ministers, I've dealt with all sorts of circumstances in these last few years. And not one time have I seen a failure that took place, that there wasn't some pride and some haughtiness that got involved in it. And I say pride and haughtiness walks in right before destruction and failure. And I say I can't let some things like that, I can't glorify God. God in my spirit when I'm proud. And I can't glorify God in my spirit when I'm haughty. I pray for a spirit of humility. And I pray for a spirit of humbleness. And I pray for a spirit of submission on everyone in this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because pride walks in. And destruction's in its wake. I, don't, I can't blame God on things. If I'm going to glorify God in my spirit, I can't blame God on things that happened in my life. I can't blame God on things that happened in my life if I'm going to glorify him in this body. Some things happen just because I'm alive in this world. We try to over-spiritualize things. Somebody has a failure. Somebody has a divorce. Somebody has a sudden death. There's something ugly happens in somebody's life. And we try to point a finger and, a tr- and give credit to, uh, and, and, try and put blame. You can't put blame on situations when, when things happen in life. But I tell you one thing. When you glorify God in your spirit, you can, do, you can be just like Job was. Naked came I into this world, and I may go out of here having lost everything that I gained. Naked I may go out. But I'm going to give God glory and I will worship him and I will magnify him. I'm going to glorify God in my spirit. I'm not going to get mad at God when something happens. I can't get mad at God when my kids fail. I can't get mad at God if my marriage fails. I can't get mad at God if my money fails. I can't get mad at God if my insurance fails. I can't blame God. I'm going to glorify God in my spirit because I am not my own and I I am a temple of the Holy Ghost, and he customized me to be a dwelling place for his spirit. And I can't put all the blame on life on God if I want him to live here. Amen. So you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. I'm rushing. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go this long. So this week, yesterday... I said farewell. I said my farewell to an old man who, who, just, who discovered a long time ago that I'd a whole lot rather own a cattle ranch. I'd a whole lot rather have some stuff. But God had told him a long time ago, nope, because I got another plan for your life. And you are not the boss of you. I own you. I can't help but in moments like this, I want to look around for a graphic example. And it seems like so many times works that are in progress become the most open examples. Amen. And so I don't want you to think I'm trying to beat an old horse or or get mileage out of somebody, use somebody, anything like that. But, but. I can't help but think of the stuff that's going on in lives. And when I think about a work in progress in our church, 
that is weakly growing. Not perfect, but growing, moving in the right direction. I can't help but think of Ben Williams back there in Sound Booth. Because he comes every Sunday morning early into the office, and uh, he, just, he just checks in with me. And uh, this morning he said, we're going to have some church today. I said, oh, yeah, we're going to have some church. He said, I'm tired of EBS. I said, me too. <laughs> but, but Ben's got a lot of reason to be bitter. One day he told me, Brother Smith, you see this body of mine? He said, this is not who I am. He said, I, I'm, I don't want to embarrass him. He said, I used to be normal like you. He said, that bomb blew up in Iraq and blew my body up. Messed my knees, my body, my face, my head, all this stuff. He said, I, I, I am not the man that I was. And then, and then he told me one day that he got a letter, because you, know, you guys know his story. He, he went into the priesthood coming out of that and, and uh, was in the Catholic, Roman Catholic Church. And here a few days ago, he told me he, he'd gotten a letter a while back, a season ago, a few years back, I don't know the time frame. But he got, he got a letter from the Pope in Rome, signed, that fired him from being a priest. That's a pretty powerful letter. I had never got a signed letter from the Pope, the president. Only guy I get a signed letter is from, you know, Ford Motor Credit. wants my pickup back, you know. <laughs> I never had a truck, so that's good. I hope you understand. But, uh, but he fired him. And that man back there, he got a lot of reasons to be bitter. But he'll tell me, he says, Pastor, my only purpose is to help make the worship service be better. My only purpose is to help you be better. My only purpose is to be a part of this church and help what's going on. And I'm thinking, that man ought to be bitter about something ought to be mad about something. And I'll watch how God is working in his life, one thing at a time. And here a while back, I've been working on Ben, because with Ben, you know, he was a Roman Catholic priest, okay? But it's okay to do some things in the Catholic Church. They don't have a lot of lifestyle issues that we encourage as, as Christians. And, and one of those things that is very acceptable where he came from was um, was cussing, and Ben, um, he knows how. <laughs> He's got it down because a few cuss words I forgot he told me about. <laughs> but I've been working on that and some other stuff. Another day, I saw something, and I turned it. He was in there, and I, I showed him the picture. It said something about talking bad. I said, look here, Brother Ben. God sent us a picture just for you. He said, Pastor, I hadn't cussed in like three months. That's a win. That's a win. Because we are temples of the Holy Ghost. We're temples of the Holy Ghost. 
and we glorify God in our bodies and in our spirits. Okay, and so that's the reason that, that we, we try to guard our physical bodies. But we also have to protect our spirits. And we can't let some things in there. Because you're not the boss of you. You're not the boss of you. And there are some things God don't want in your life. And if you wonder what's been going on with the shaking and the carrying on in your life, that's God has moved in to the reconstruction mode of his temple called you. And you're feeling some things tearing. It's because he's ripping out some stuff. And you're hearing some things banging around. It's because he's having to break some things in you. And you're trying to sleep, but God's decided that it's his shift of work in your life right now. And you can't sleep because God's remodeling some things in you. And while you're wanting to sleep, he's in there banging on something in your spirit. You know what I'm talking about. And you're wanting just to have a nice quiet evening. But the wheels have come off the wagon in your world. And all hell's broke out inside of you. And, 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 and God's working on something, right? And you, you yell at your family or say something or do something in some way that's, that it's just not very godly. It just comes out of you. And it just explodes out of you. It's because God's dealing with that. He's trying to get it out of you. Because you are a God-designed temple of the Holy Ghost. And therefore, you're not your own. And since you're God-designed and God-ordained, He's working on you, and you're not your own, because He paid for you, you didn't pay for you. You're not the boss of you, He's the boss of you. Since that's what I am, Paul says, glorify God in your body. And glorify God in your spirit and that's what's going on in your world when things are shaken and God's trying to move in and set up residence in your spirit and things are bouncing around but since that's going on I'm saying in the Holy Ghost since I am not my own I'm going to go ahead and give God glory in my body I'm going to give God glory in my spirit and I'm not going some places no more. And I'm not acting some ways no more. I'm not saying some things no more. And I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not allowing some things inside of me anymore. Because I've got to glorify God in my body and in my spirit. I want you to stand with me this morning. Would you stand and gather with me around the front? It's 1127. I didn't mean to preach 45 minutes. Gather with me quickly. And we're about to have a prayer meeting with Jesus. And we're going to make a commitment to him to glorify him with our bodies and with our spirits. Amen. Amen.
I want you to say this with me. God, I am not my own. I am a temple of the Holy Ghost. I was bought with a price. And since you bought me, Jesus, I'm going to glorify you with my body. And I'm going to glorify you with my spirit. From this day forward in my life. And would you lift your hands right now and I want you to thank God for the help of the Holy Ghost that's coming to you in the name of Jesus. I'm glorifying you, God. From this day forward, Jesus, I glorify you in my body. I'm not the boss of me. I'm going to glorify you, Jesus, with my body. And I'm going to glorify you, Jesus, with my spirit. I glorify you, God, with my spirit. I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm not my own, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, I want to give you glory with my body. And I want to give you glory with my spirit. God, I am a temple of the Holy Ghost.